Hello listeners and welcome to this week's Football and Annual podcast. This week it's a little bit special, we've got two pods for you. This first one covers everything on the national team. For more stuff on the Eredivisie, wait until tomorrow's podcast. I'm here with James Chaka, Michael Bell, the editor, and myself, I'm Michael Statham. As usual, we are on YouTube, SoundCloud and iTunes. So make sure to like the vi- like the video or the file, uh, share with friends and comment. Get involved. Let us know what you think about our podcast. Let us know what you think about the national team. Cheers. So we had a question in asking, um, it's, a bit, so it's, saying it's a bit obvious, but what's gone so wrong with the national team? And why did it take so long to sack Blint? Um, if I can start on that one being based here in the Netherlands, if I may. Um, a lack of foresight and, uh, and policy really has led to the reason why it took so long. I think these problems can be traced back to when Hiddink was first um, announced as a successor to uh, Van Gaal, wherein the public wanted Koeman, Koeman himself wanted the job. Uh, Bert van Oostein decided to appoint uh, Hiddink with Danny Blind as Hiddink's assistant and then to shortly afterwards proclaim that Blind would then go on to be the successor to Hiddink. Uh, obviously in football you, there's, you can't really plan for anything to be honest and to be able to, um, to be so resolute to be so resolute as Oostein was to proclaim that this is the way we're going to do it come hell or high water. And then the difficult Euro 2016 campaign, which saw Blin take over the reins for arguably the biggest job in Dutch football and uh, for him to be so inexperienced. But at the same time, you cannot blame him for taking the job because if your country calls you in that respect, it's very difficult to turn it down. Um, I personally think the group there was drawing for Euro 2016 where they failed to qualify smacked of arrogance that they thought that everything was going to be okay in a group with Turkey, Czech Republic and a fantastic generation of, uh, of uh, Iceland players who've gone on to achieve what they have. When the draw for this World Cup uh, qualification was made, you could also see potential difficulties with France being uh, the powerhouse they are, difficult games with Sweden and Bulgaria. And I just think they've lost their way. The, the sad fact is, is that the kind of, the kind of they used to be so well run, used to be so transparent, and it appears now to be a, a selection of um, of directors that have come together to only really look for their own interests rather than the, the national interest that the country goes on to equal what's gone before, or possibly even improve what, on what's gone before. Uh, yeah, um, I agree with James. I think also start, had to do with Michel Van Prague. He was uh, the president of the KMVB. Um, he chose to run for FIFA president, president uh, unsus- unsuccessfully pulled out in one of the final weeks. Um, and also just a, a matter of a lot of change under him. And, uh, you know, Hans van Brokkelen, uh, one of the directors, was only hired like uh, last year. So I think, but by the time he was hired, I think uh, he he decided to give uh, uh, Danny Blin some time, and uh, everyone 
decided, and they sort of hired Dick Advocate to help him uh, in the I think May May to July period last year before he took his, his job in in Turkey, and and things uh, things started to improve after that. Rudra Hullet was was also they also tried to hire him, but I think he saw what was going on at the Can VB and he he sort of stepped back from from his role. And which is which is all. It's ironic that he he put himself up for the job, even with the same structure in place. And you know, Van Brokel and one of his teammates, and them apparently not getting. Uh, and one of his teammates at PSV, them apparently not getting along. And I think they was they they. I think they just put they they put in Fred Grimm as his assistant uh, because he had worked with the youth national team and he, he had sort of uh, a better knowledge of. Players coming through and the playing stuff. Uh, he had managed Janssen at Almia City and in the Dutch Under Twenty One national team. And I think um, it's taken the, the the fact that there's been all this change and means that it's taken long to fire him because uh, they really wanted to give him a good opportunity. And and I think it was also going to be incredibly embarrassing for the KNVB to fire him only because. I think this was the succession plan. It was Van Hal to Hiddick, which failed in in a year, to Blint, and this was a succession plan for way longer than it's originally lasted. And um, having sort of firing Blint right now is um, is incredibly embarrassing for them. And you know, um, there was even talk of Louis Van Hal being CEO, and they haven't yet enticed him though. But uh, I read in Football International that them sort of planning to entice uh, Van Hal means that Grimm will spend longer in the room and, and he could also be uh, interim manager by the time the next round of international managers international matches come come in in June July and uh, that means that you you um they they won't get a new manager. Until the structure above is sorted out, which is, I think, quite chaotic, and because they're in in so much danger of not qualifying for the twenty eighteen World Cup. I think um, why it took so long to sack Wind as well. It's worth noting that he actually got some good results and some friendlies. And um, whenever it looked like he was on his last legs, the pull out result. You know, last year they beat England two on a Wembley. Be Austria. I mean, these results, you know, made it look like something was happening, and um, it was going to start being positive. But um, the last one, what's gone wrong? I think arrogance is that a key factor. Um, obviously, the your 2016 qualification was guaranteed. That didn't happen, um, and I think they thought that whoever they hired would have got them there. And I think that's why they will come in. I think before Hiddink will come in, he'll get him there easily, and then he'll pass on to his knowledge to Blind, and Blind will take on from there. And it's just not worked like that. Um, you know, the national teams of other countries are getting stronger. Um, you know, Iceland are no longer a team that Holland will go and beat 5 now. They're a team that can actually match them now. And I don't think Holland have actually adapted well to modern football. They try to play the same way that they've always done. And instead of matching tactics like Van Hal did, and try to go back to the four-three-three, which is just—it's not worked. Yeah, I, I agree with the the point about 
whenever Blint was in trouble, a result would always be pulled out. The Sweden match was a good example of that, where they drew 1-1 and they could have won the game. Uh, it was interesting tactics that Blint seemed like he wanted to play two wing-backs that were very high at the pitch um, as their main focal point of attack. Um, and, it, and it worked for the most part, but Sweden could still catch the Netherlands out on the break. Um, and there's just some key simple errors. Like there was, again, we always say this point about the Netherlands where they need a defensive midfielder and Stoltman is not enough by himself. So when they're playing high wing backs, they need either a defensive midfielder to sit back and be in, you know, back quite far back in um, the defence. Uh, as a, almost like a, a, a um, oh, what's a word? A bit, more, well, a bit like a sweeper, I guess, but you know what I mean. Um, an anchor man. And, or you need to have a back five, um, which again, Blit would experiment with. It wouldn't work. And there's just some vital key errors that kept coming up time and time again. Because, for example, that Sweden match, they might have won had some tweaks been done tactically. I think um, the good run you guys are talking about, I think it was also the time that Avocat was helping uh, Blint and there was that sort of experience next to him. And, you know, it was such it was a better time for the national team because Richard Lee Bazo was getting regular game time at Ajax and he looked like he was going to be the defensive midfielder for the next few years, you know. Um, Rita Vold and Tete had got their starts. Al Ghazi had also played a, a bit, and those are the players that Blint started to bring in. And um, I think a lot of sort of uh, the young players that are in the sort of crucial positions for the Dutch national team have haven't really haven't really started to kick on really in their careers and. Um, I think we saw uh, Memphis recently he's just come back and regained his confidence, which will be important for the Dutch national team going forward. And I think, I think this this style of play, the the thing that really proved that Blind was a limited manager was, I think they played the four three three and they tried to play this craft style. And you knew what they were trying to do, but the fact that they were so uh, weak at the fundamentals, pressing, ball circulation. Um, approach play, uh, um, interchange of positions, and uh, just all-around positional play. And the fact that they were very lacking in those fundamental aspects of modern-day total football just showed how limited uh, the coaching was. And I think um, the playing stuff isn't the best that the Dutch national team has had, but you know, there's, there's still very good players there and um, there's the still players capable of qualifying for World Cup or qualifying for Euros. And the fact that that hasn't been done is uh, has been very disappointing for Dutch national team fans. I think um, you look back against Bulgaria, you can pick two decisions that cost anyone's job, really. One was picking Delict in the starting lineup. I mean, it was a disaster. A 17-year-old should be put in that position, wasn't ready, and he got found out. I think Bulgaria pinpointed it perfectly, and then within 20 minutes, your two goes down. And then, you know, with 20 minutes to go, Netherlands are pressing forward. He decides to bring on Luke de Jong, um, which took out all the pace. He brought Quincy Promise, he went 
um, Luke Young, Bastos up front, and from that point on, you know, everyone's just looked terrible. Um, no pace. You know, they're launching balls forward for Wesley Snyder to chase on the left hand side. There's this okay, this you know, sort of game out so comfortably and you know, like Jeremy Lawrence and Memphis Depay were sitting on the bench and they actually showed them sitting together and like Jeremy Lawrence turned on to Memphis Depay at one point and was shaking his head and you could tell like there was no pace in that team. Bulgaria just sat back, sat deep, and were just so untroubled by having Bastost looked young there and you know, he didn't even put crosses in for them. It's two massive strikers up front. And they weren't even putting crosses in. They were trying to get the ball to Robin. Robin was trying to cut and kept losing it. You know, the ball kept going to David Klassen, who, you know, his passing was absolutely shocking. He was passing out for throw-ins constantly. You know, just the whole structure of the team had no confidence in what the game plan was. And I think, you know, bringing on De Jong just confused them. And, you know, that just shows how poor a coach he is. Uh, I think also... Sort of the game plan they were trying to play was poorly implemented of the training on the training pitch. I think it reminds me of sort of a time in Germany's history where uh, Ruth Voller was the national team manager, and Philip Lahm in his autobiography sort of likened it to like going on international break to going on holiday because it was just some routine shooting drills with no defense, and um, that was it. And I think it it. it, it um, and there wasn't really this uh, tactical training that he would get at, at, at club level. And um, you've seen that with the Dutch national team, and you sort of see the way they uh, they press. They sort of little. They sort of leave the holes in midfield because the team doesn't press together. The te- the defense is sitting deep. The midfield, the deepest midfielder, is sitting so far away from the the highest attacker. That the spaces in midfield and teams can play out, and just the fact that um, once the Dutch national team lose the ball, nothing happens. And an essential facet of sort of uh, the total football is the five-second rule: just the ball near midfielder pressing immediately, he loses the ball. And you've seen the Dutch national team sort sort of concede many goals since the World Cup from. Uh, situations where they've, where they've just lost the ball in deep midfield. And um, the fact that, you know, against Bulgaria, you sort of push Danny Blind forward, who's not who's going to have a hard time recovering. But you don't push um, Rick Karsdorp forward, who's sort of the more able back-and-forth fullback. And uh, we didn't see him get to push forward as much as, uh, as he should. And... The second goal, the first goal is, con- uh, is sort of conceded through the Dutch national team losing the ball while Danny Blind has pushed forward. And, um, and Matthias De Ligt obviously makes a mistake. And the thing about De Jong and um, Dos, that isn't the first time we've seen it happen in Blind's tenure. We've also seen it happen in Hilding's tenure. And it's just a constant thing that keeps on happening. They just uh, they're in a losing position or uh, or the drawing, and they bring on the two big strikers, and it's just hit and hope from there. And someone just someone on Twitter was pointing out it's very sad that I know it's it's um, indicative of the state of Dutch Dutch football that Wesley Snyder is still your most creative midfielder. I think it, I think also. The game on Saturday showed how how important experience is at international level, not just playing but also managing. 
Uh, Danny Blind had one season as manager of Ajax back in 2005, and having only had one year's experience at club level, he could, couldn't call on much experience to use at international level. You saw that straight from the kickoff, that first uh, that first attack, attack launched by Bulgaria, which led to a free kick, I believe. They targeted Matthijs uh, de Ligt. They knew what they were doing. And um, I spoke to uh, William Flute last summer, who has almost 30 years' experience managing in the Netherlands in all different facets, from head of scouting, management, technical director. And he told me in his own words that um, the, the Dutch Kaiver Bay lately are, are, too, um, are more concerned with producing paperwork and manuals rather than having the right people in the right places on the training pitch, helping players to get even better. Uh, the intensity to look at, at different uh, ways of, um, of playing, even the physical level, and to be open to new ideas. And with the, the situation that the national team finds itself in, especially here in the Netherlands at the moment, there's a lot of questions going around as to what needs to be done, how can we change things, Is what, what, what were we necessarily doing wrong? And I just think that the whole setup has lost its way a little bit. But when you look back at previous Dutch uh, coaches, you've got Frank Rijkaard, Louis van Gaal, Gus, uh, Gus Hiddink. Uh, these are very, very big names with an awful, awful lot of experience. And um, even back with Hiddink back in 98 when they reached the semi-finals, uh, the Dutch have always needed a, a strong-willed uh, manager to form a hard-working team. If you look at the teams they had in the past, from 2014 to uh, to 2000 uh, uh, to 1998, sorry, where they reached the semi-final, it's, it's always been a combination of of in the case of the generations they had exceptional talent and an exceptional manager combined with with uh, with with the two facets. And in the case of of the last year, they've had a very, very inexperienced uh, manager and a group which needs to basically be taught how to work hard together in a positional sense, in an attacking sense, in a defensive sense. And um, I think the Carver Bay, uh, Bay needs to be really, really um, strong-willed in their decisions. And uh, all the directors that they have that have come and gone within an organisation, they need to put their own interest to one side. They need to look at what's best for the um, for the national team going forward. And if that means swallowing their pride and, um, and making an offer which can't be refused for certain candidates, then so be it. Because you have to look... Um, there's been... Um, there's been uh, news lately about the times where they missed uh, the 1982 World Cup. They missed the, the Euros in 84 and they missed the World Cup in 86. Uh, the, the points of the previous days was, but we won it in 88. And uh, they're kind of in a naive sense thinking, oh, maybe we'll miss two, uh, one World Cup and one Euros, but maybe come good in Euro 2020. Um, I just hope that they uh, they analyse thoroughly and, and look at what needs to be done. And I, I, I would uh, I would refer the Kaiser Bay to look to what's gone before and look how the organisation used to be so transparent, where they used to. As I know it sounds really easy, but the best Dutch club coach at that time would naturally become the. Um, of the national team manager. If you look at when Bert, Bert Van Marek was uh, 
was appointed back in 2008, he was the only candidate. He was the only one they spoke to because they went for him when he was at uh, when, he, when he was at Feyenoord, and and he became. Um, he became a national uh, national team manager, and he he got them to a World Cup final. So uh, I would plead for the Dutch FA to um, to look at what's gone before, put their own ego egos and pride aside, and make decisions which will make uh, make the national team improve again slowly but surely. Yeah, let's not um, forget that the Bulgaria match was as bad as it as it looked, but. Bulgaria didn't, weren't anything special. They didn't carry any any real threat apart from literally feeding off the errors of the list. Second half, I don't think they had a, a chance of note, as long as I can remember. Um, it was all mostly an attacking sense as well. There were there were so there were, all the players didn't like they were playing for the manager at all. And this is the next key thing: will the next manager of the Dutch national team will, will they be able to? lift the players out of this kind of match. Let's say they're having that kind of match again, half-time. Who's going to talk to them? Who's going to change the, their attitude? Because nothing really changed in the second half of the Bulgaria match. What would Dublin say in there? What, what you know, does he, does, he, does he have the experience to know that kind of thing? And I think that's what the next manager appointment should be aimed at. Uh, a manager who can get them to, um, to, to have a passion again for playing for the national team. And maybe that's why... Uh, Iron Robin and Reza Schneider want to be committed in helping choose that next manager. So they, maybe they know that he can get on with the players, who knows the players, um, yeah, and, 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 and knows what, how to help in these kind of situations, his experience in these kind of situations. The most important thing that the next manager should have is a better knowledge of the playing staff, not just in the Eredivisie, but in the other leagues in Europe. And um, that's something that Danny Bledent hasn't hasn't shown um, throughout his tenure. Um, I think uh, Delit was picked. I think we spoke about on the podcast last week. I think if you we we said that you know we could understand if you picked him as a learning experience to just sort of play against these players like Schneider. Um, you know, uh, Janssen, uh, Dust, and, and just learn from them. But to actually start him in a game when when there's Wesley Hot, who's played for Lazio, who are in the top top five, top four in the Serie A this season, uh, was I think it was it was surprising. I think even the Telegraph and uh, Vopo International they didn't see it coming. Even the the uh, the 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 teams that they were producing before the match didn't have the lift in it because no one expected him to play the game because Blint said he was just there for a learning experience and um, just uh, how you know he sort of played Wijnaldum throughout his tenure he's either pushed Wijnaldum too high or he's either had him too deep I think against Bulgaria. You sort of saw Stutman having to drop in between, uh, drop into a back three with the centre backs, and that would sort of force Wijnaldum to drop deep, and that's not his position. That's not the position he plays for when when he's at Liverpool. And you know there was one instance in the first half where you where you saw an attack, and Robin was in the defensive line helping build up. I think that's incredible. Um, 
uh, when you compare how eager that uh, Van Hal was to get him to push him forward and keep him forward, and um, uh, it's just uh, you know starting Memphis when he playing Memphis, calling up Memphis and playing Memphis when he's at Manchester United and he's not getting the game time, but when he comes back into form, uh, you leave him on the bench, and then there's just uh, many other situations like that, and uh, you just need a manager like uh, who's either managed against the current crop of players or who has managed the current crop of players who understands where everybody's position is what system gets the best out of the current playing stuff and things like that. And that's when you can see, you, you can start to seeing these, these marginal improvements. Who would be your pick for next manager? Uh, I'm going for either Ron Yance or Alex Pastor. Those, um, I would have gone for Frank Debord, but he ruled himself out because He's managed and managed against most of the the players, but I think Ronyans they touted him for the national team boss a few years ago. Very experienced, uh, experienced enough to know what type of football he can play once he walks into the Dutch national team uh, dressing room, and um, he can also sort of lead these young players through. And um, they also sort of seen uh, um, him being given the role in the KNVB to teach uh, and the next crop of coaches. So he's very, very highly regarded in, in the KNVB. And I think he's a very, very capable manager. And in the way, and that's been shown in the way that he's made PEC a very established uh, diversity club. And Pasteur, because I think uh, he's a very interesting manager. I think this season for Sparta, he's played a very young defence, uh, an 18, a 19, and a 20-year-old in a back four. And there's been games where he's shown that he's tactically very, very quick, uh, and he's tactically very sharp. And he's also very experienced too, 51 years old. And he, he got that win against Feyenoord. And... Um, uh, Jordi Cruyff and Maccabi Haifa were, were um, uh, and Cruyff and Maccabi was looking at him this season. He's a very interesting manager, and also someone you also need someone that can sort of create a blend between of the, some of the older players and some of the sort of younger players, and and um, someone who knows that at Roma, Kevin Stupin doesn't play as a so defensive midfielder is given a role where he's allowed to play the ball and allowed to move the ball past pressure. Someone who will know that Jorginho Wijnaldum is an eight. Someone who know that um, uh, Quincy Promise can play in the centre and he can play out wide. And just someone who are, would have a better knowledge of the playing staff and who's much more sure of himself tactically and a manager with more experience. And I think if you're looking at someone uh, within the realm of uh, someone not being a foreigner, I think you're looking at those two. And even if you look at foreign picks, I think 
there's no there's nobody out there where you would be willing to say let's take a chance on this guy because I think if the Ken VB takes a chance on a foreigner and it fails, it's a much bigger embarrassment for them. Yeah, I agree with your point, Jack, about um, the need for the manager to um, be perhaps on the Eredivisie. Uh, but do you not think, for example, as Robin and Schneider want to be involved, do you think that those two, for example, would be uh, as open-minded as perhaps we are for an Eredivisie manager, a young Eredivisie manager? Because for me, my picks would also be Ranyas and also Eric and Haar at Utrecht. I think he is very good. He can handle. Um, he, he's shown that he can handle big characters, which hopefully is something that could shine through if they did ever look at him. Um, for example, last summer he let certain players leave if they wanted to, if they felt they were ready for the next step. But he held back Sebastian Allaire, even though there was interest from uh, from England uh, as well as elsewhere. And yeah, um, yeah I, I feel like Ten Hag had had had, had as a stronghold of Allaire to say. I'd like you to stay here another season. You can help develop the club yourself. And he persuaded him. And I think he's the kind of character they need. And if you see him in interviews, the way he conducts himself, he's a very assertive character. And I think, again, that's something the national team needs. But again, do you think they're going to be open to that kind of thing? The game, maybe? Well, I think on Ten Hag, though, you have to realise that he did manage by yeah, the second team, which means that Robin yeah. might actually have some experience with yeah, I think Tanag has done very well, especially, um, you know, switching to the diamond this season um, after Ramsala left and, you know, moving Ayub into a different format, into a different um, position. And I think, um, uh, I think he would be good. And he's sort of the first of these sort of new breed of managers coming through. Uh, him, you know, Van Brockhorst and Koku. But I think, uh, you know, the, I think the KMVB wouldn't be looking at him. And I think, um, in a sense, he's he, he's better in the VC sort of, you know, um, with Utrecht and then sort of moving it onto PSV where he already coached. And then I think sort of progressing to the Dutch national team after that. And, um, uh, in the in Volpo International, uh, another footnote, uh, footnote that I read on the Louis Van Gaal's Louis Van Gaal situation was that he would they he would probably have someone that he that Van Gaal knows personally, someone in the sort of Clivert uh, Stevenberg uh, realm, and th- that's quite interesting because you know those. Uh, it's 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 a weird realm to be in because Clivert's not that experienced as a coach, and he could have gained more experience with the Ajax under 19th this season. And Steinbergs not experienced as a first team coach, but also Andrew Andrew is not experienced as a first team coach, but he's walked into um, Wolfsburg and he's done well over the uh, done well over the past few games, and he's sort of started using Richard Di Brazil again and started started developing him. And but I think um, I forgot another one it would be John Vandenbrom. As I, he's even though he's sort of had a, a stinker that this season, he's also a manager I rate very highly. I think very tactically able, and I think also very experienced. And I think uh, the the 
it's, they should go for an Eredivisie manager, whether it be Ten Hag or Jans, uh, Pastor or Van den Brom, because those those are the managers that sort of know this playing stuff. You you say that you're, there's a golden generation coming through. That's what the KMVB is saying, and, and they say a golden generation is coming through Dutch football. So you need sort of a manager that will sort of know the players that are coming through. So someone that's watched the youth game, someone that's had to prep to see uh, to prep against uh, some of the other teams in the WC. So when these young players do come through, that someone that's using them well, someone that's nurturing them well, someone that's not playing a 17-year-old in a crucial World Cup qualifier after he's only played six games, two starts in the Eredivisie. And uh, I think um, I think an Eredivisie manager, experienced, battle-hardened in that league, will certainly should be the first option for them, unless they can find someone, unless you can entice Koeman or entice Reichardt out of retirement or do something special, I think you should, you, you, you put the, uh, them in the, you put the national team in the safe hands of an Eredivisie manager. My, my picks would be uh, Ronald Koeman or Gullit. Uh, reasons why, I see a lot of similarities between this squad and the one that uh, Ronald Koeman had when he first went to Ajax in 2003. It was a very, very young squad that needed to be guided, that needed to be moulded. And this is a manager that managed to get that very young, eager team to nearly the semi-finals of the Champions League. He's gone on to have, to, gone on to build lots and lots of experience in, in Germany, and, uh, in, in Spain, sorry, and in um, and England, and um, I know that crew has said I don't want it. The Carver Bay have had their chance, but the Carver Bay need to swallow their pride. And even if they have to apologise to Kuman to entice him, then so be it. Because uh, I understand what you're saying about um, uh, Eric Ten Hag and Aaron Jans, but, but also with Hullet, he may have had a checkered managerial career, but he will be able to install charisma into the squad where the squad will want to go to, 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 to meet up at international uh, setups and to play for, uh, to come into contention to play uh, under such a legend. I think the charisma that Hullet would bring would help the squad in the short, in the short term. Hullet wants to have the job. And I just think that uh, for me, the, the outstanding candidate is Koeman. Um, I know that um, I know that Canva Bay will probably take his word. Oh, I don't want it. They'll take it as a given and, and not not give it to him. But I just think he's the outstanding candidate. And as I was saying when we first started this pod this evening, they need to go back at what's gone before. With Van Marwijk was the outstanding candidate. They gave him the job. Van Gaal was the outstanding candidate. They gave him the job. It's not rocket science. And I think if they was to employ Koeman or Hullet, then in the short to mid to possibly even long term, you'll see a vast improvement in, in how the squad is organised, how the squad is, is selected, and also the charisma of the national team, because that also needs to be, uh, also needs to be looked at. Because you, had, you saw what appeared to be 11 individuals against Bulgaria on Saturday, not really 
wanting to take the responsibility, wanting to realise the situation they find themselves in. And if they had a, a Kuman in the dugout or a Khulid in the dugout, this the, that message would be would be made clear to them before they even set foot on the pitch. And therefore, you'd get a um, you get a different reaction. So, Khulid uh, or Kuman would be uh, would be uh, my picks. I think I understand what you're saying with Kuman, but I think um, leaving an Everton job where he's got good young players coming through, a wealthy owner at the top. And a club that generally believe in him, and he might beat one of he might be to finish in the top seven this season, and you know there's interest in him from Barcelona, so I think at club level he's he's probably enjoying it too much to to take up a Dutch national team role, and I think they sort of missed the bus and Kuman when when they wanted him to be assistant coach to hitting, and um, uh, with Hullet. You don't quite know because uh, you know he didn't see eye to eye with uh, Van Berkelen when they when they tried to make him assistant manager. And he did sort of this uh, whole thing. Um, he did an interview with the with the Guardian where he just explained how what was going on at the KNVB. So um, a lot a lot of bridges would would have to be patched up for um, sort of uh, Hullet to get the role. So. Um, it's it's the, the, the definitely two good picks, but uh, with the current state that the Can VB is in, and the way they've burned bridges with the, those two guys in particular, it's hard to see them uh, stepping into that role. Certainly, from this end, Shaka, I don't believe that the bridges that would needed to would need to be built between Van Brokel and and um, and Hule are. Uh, it's not possible. I believe that there's common ground to be found there, especially between those two. I don't think it's played out as negatively as what the media would say it has between Van Brokel and Khulit personally. I think in the case of Kuman, he's a proud man, obviously. He feels, uh, feels hurt by being overlooked, uh, by really, really wanting to have the job. And uh, I think if, if, he, if he really wants to become manager of Barcelona. I, I personally don't believe that Barcelona are looking at Everton. I think if he was to go to the national team and bring the national team back up to a to the level that's gone before, I think that could very well be the um, the the final piece in the jigsaw that puts him in the, in the contention to be uh, Barcelona manager. So I, I think that um, I just think, I just hope that they uh, that they kind of that they assess the situation properly because this is. Uh, this is a, a time now where the right decision needs to be made, and if that comes at the cost of a of the pride of a certain director or the uh, the long term career of uh, of someone within that organisation, then so be it. Because uh, to be to be um, missing out on two major competitions consecutively, yes, it happened before when uh, before the, uh, um, when they had generations that were that were quite reasonable in terms of talent. So it has happened before, but in the modern in the modern age, it will be the first time in a, a long, long time. And they need to uh, they need to put things in place to ensure that they can get back to how they were, where they would um, they they're in contention to win qualifying groups, let alone be in the mix to qualify itself. Because when they go down in coefficients and when they um, 
um, have difficult games at international level, it will it will affect the coefficient where future qualifying groups they'll be put in more difficult groups, and they'll need to to get a handle on that to be able to put in a, put in a position uh, to qualify for future tournaments. I think one of the main you know reasons why Cummins is not going to happen or is the money. Um, you know, he's got a contract for Everton, and the KMVU would have to delve deep into their pockets to try and entice Everton to let him go. Um, you know, I think the KMVU right now are trying to get a package together to entice Louis Van Gaal to come back. You know, in some sort of capacity, maybe as a director, CEO, and um, it's getting mentioned. I think that's where they're really looking at. I think they really will want Van Gaal involved. Um, and actually, I actually think that they're actually looking at the national team manager position right now. I think they're totally concentrating their attention on getting Van Hal back, getting the structure right, then looking at who's going to come in. Um, you know, as Arco and BI said today, they might even go with Fred Grimm against you know, Luxembourg because they just think, well, that's the game we're going to win and really think about the position. Um, I agree with Ron Jans. I think Ron Jans would be the perfect man to come in um, and bring some passion back to the national team. But you know, I think they'll go with somebody young. Um, and I quite like the idea of having a duo um, in charge. You know, if you're going to put Brutal there, you need somebody with them. Um, and I think they need to, you know, the recently retired players to bring respect. You know, Clarence Sadoff, Edgar Davis has just got his diploma. Um, Mark Van Bommel's assistant to Bert Van Marwick at Saudi Arabia. Um, and they're top of their World Cup qualifying group, which is really strong. It's got Australia in there. Um, and I think a partnership might be the way going forward. Because um, I think somebody like Mark Van Bommel Clients say that when they walk into a dressing room, you know, the KMVB, that would demand respect and, you know, Rotula as well would demand respect. And I think them two working together maybe as a partnership would work going forward with Van Hal above them. If, if you look back into previous World Cups, Koeman was assistant in the coaching staff when uh, when Hiddink was the national team manager. Frank de Vaux was involved uh, uh, when Marek was manager, so you have a very valid point if they was to to have assistants and technical staff who are ex players who maybe even recently retired that want to um, that want to get involved. That that's similar to what to what's gone uh, to what's gone before. Um, as far as I'm aware, this end they are intent on um, Jean Bold uh, de Gassel, uh, said that they are looking to appoint a new manager before June. Uh, for, for, for the match against Luxembourg I would personally be very surprised if um, if Fred Grimm is uh, his manager uh, going into the game at Luxembourg I think they'll uh, I think they would have made their decision by uh, by that time Is it likely that Fred Grimm will be the permanent national team manager though if he can attempt to prove himself no, no, I think I think the risk for that would be far too high, Michael. You've got to remember this is a manager that two years ago was managing Almeida City and managed to get them to the promotion playoffs where they lost. Um, if they was to to even entertain the notion of, of uh, Fred Grimm, then they would be going down near enough the same route they've already gone down with Blind. Okay, the protocol's a little bit different. But uh, they would be that would be a big mistake. I think I think it's quite natural that Blind was relieved of his duties on Saturday. Uh, on on um, I think it was uh, um, 
Sunday, I think it was, and Grimmis' assistant and was helping him, so hence he would take uh, charge of the team for the following game a couple of days later against Italy, but uh, I, I can't see them entertaining that notion whatsoever. Yeah, I do agree with what you're saying, um, seeing as it's still the same backroom team and it, it's just one person that's left, so there's not much that's changed around that. And, um, I totally see what you're saying. Um, we had a question from Iqbal here, it says, how much of the current situation with Alanya is down to player quality and how much is down to coaching? Is Danny Blint all at fault? Is it the players' fault? Personally, I think it's a combination of both. If That's my personal opinion. It's a combination of maybe not having the truly world-class players of yesteryear or recent years and having a, a sufficient manager that can get the quality out of the, out of that team, I do believe someone like Kuman, he would be able to mould a team. Maybe, for example, selecting David Ripper or Ramzala or picking picking players that where you can mould a team to go forward together. But I think uh, with the problems they've faced, I think it's been uh, negligence from the kind of days part to um, to um, to carry on with the to bring forward the policy they've adopted and also the current generation that the national team have. I think uh, the sort of the player quality, that narrative has been overplayed in the national media because um, this team, even though it's not the best team that the Orania have had in their history, is, um, it's arguably a better uh, side than Turkey, um, uh, Iceland, Czech Republic and Bulgaria, but I think a lot, a lot of what's gone on in the last year has come back. It was come down to the the coaching, to to wanting to drill the players in a certain style and not having the right manager, a manager capable of drilling the players in that style and, and sort of implementing it. And um, I think, uh, I think. Um, Having a manager so inexperienced, so um, so so, um, I think uh, so devoid of any uh, real tactical invention. Sort of um, a manager who sort of unaware of how things are going, when things are going wrong, and and, and that that sort of things have hasn't helped. The, the playing staff. I mean, you still have, I think, um, a, a good group of players. You've got Quincy Promise, the star of the Russian league since Hulkleff. You've got Robin, you've got um, Strutman, who's done well for a top three side in Italy. You've got uh, a good number of fullbacks. You've got Sillison and Zot, the good enough keepers. You've got you were Van Dyke. You had Van Dyke a few months ago before you got ended. Who was the star defender in the Premier League? You got <coughs> Boomer. These are all very good players. These are players that can uh, that can come together in, in a sort of squad. These are malleable players that can be molded into a sort of squad. I think Klaassen. You got Wijnaldum. You you got sort of there's good players there. I think the playing staff is very capable. It's just that they need they need a direction and they and they, 
And that's what the Van, Van Hals tenure showed. That's what the 2014 World Cup showed. And uh, the two managers they've had since then haven't given the, the direction that they needed. And they, and they need more sort of direction than 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 they had in, um, in the past. I think you, so, you sort of read uh, Dennis Bergkamp's book and you, he's talking about basically in the in the Euros, um, in the Euros, I think at the late nineties, um, where they sort of crumbled, and he's and you sort of, and I think Hedrick was in charge, and what happened was there was sort of a battle between I think the white Ajax players and the black Ajax players, and there was sort of, um, and you sort of learned how how um, how strong the influence from the players was on the coaching staff. You can't do any, you can't do that anymore. In modern day football, because I think it always comes down from the coach. Um, Italy went into the Euros with what the Italian media was calling one of the most uh, devoid uh, uh, squads, most devoid of talent. But look, but they had a good coach, and look, look how that ended up. Uh, Portugal, uh, or they had a young, they had a young group, and they had older players. And they, they ended up winning the Euros and, uh, over a much more talented France France team. And so I think in international football and in modern day football, a lot comes down in the shoulders of the coach, especially when you have a squad as capable as this. I totally agree with that. I think it is down to, purely down to the coaching. I think you know the players that everyone's currently have are very talented, and it always going to take is a coach to mould them and build a team around them. And I think that's what Blinn didn't do. He didn't mould a team. He picked the players that were names and put them on a pitch. There was no tactics to it. You know, the defensive midfield area was missing. He just put, you know, I said it a few weeks ago in the pod, that you know, the midfield picks itself for Blinn because he's going to pick class and he's going to pick group and he's going to pick Wijnaldum. It doesn't matter what position he's going to play them. It's just those are the three names that Holland have that they're going to play. Um, you know, Bastos is going to play because it's the only striker they have. You know, even Fred Grimm came in and went, or oh, maybe, you know, we'll play a winger front, false nine, see how that works. But Danny Gwynn just didn't think about that, I think. Or losing 2 0 to go, throw the big man on. You know, it's it's ancient football tactics, and you know, I think it is down to the coach. I've seen a lot of people write that, you know, it's a shame on Danny Gwynn, he's thrown in this position, and, um, you know, the players have to take responsibility as well, but, you know, the players can do it a pitch. What he can do, but it's the coach that molds the team, and I don't think he motivated them at all to play well. And I don't think he had the tactical analysis to change it when it wasn't going well. You know, you look at Louis Van Hal, what he did at the World Cup. If Louis Van Hal was in charge of this team now, would they have lost to Bulgaria? I would say definitely not. Would they have lost to Iceland at home? Definitely not. Would they have drawn with Turkey at home? Definitely not. And that's you know, it comes down on to, to Blaine's shoulders. Yeah, I the next. I hope the next manager brings enthusiasm to the job, which trans, trans, um, transfers to the players. Uh, to elaborate on what Shaka said about the uh, uh, what Belkamp said with uh, the um, the fraught um, arguments in uh, the Euro '96 squad. To elaborate on that, there was uh, a time in the recent past where the national team would meet up and they would go for lunch. And you would have uh, players from final sitting on one table, 
players from Ajax sitting on another table, players from PSV sitting on another, and they would never mix. And I think it was um, Van Gaal who recently had a deliberate um, ploy to get everybody mixing, get everybody having lunch together, speaking to one another, off the pitch, creating uh, friendships and relationships where you can work together on the pitch. Um, if you look at the organisation which Van Gaal took into the World Cup when they finished third, it was a combination of, of the players playing for him, him being aware of his um, of his qualities and also taking the, the position of national team manager extremely seriously. That's why even though there are rumours and certain groups, especially in the Netherlands, uh, now pleading for a, a foreign manager. For example, the technical director of FC Twente, Jan van Holst, stated that he would like to see a, a foreign manager and he gave uh, Michel uh, Prodom, the, um, uh, I believe his current manager of Brugge, a, 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 um, a, that was his choice. But I think you've got to remember it's 1977 since the Netherlands last had a foreign manager in Ernst Happel. Uh, Times have changed, people have changed, but I think uh, I think if they did entertain the notion of a foreign manager, you, you'd be doing the, uh, the Dutch managers a disservice because it, when you do that, what kind of message are you sending to the, um, to the young manager taking his course for the first time, having aspirations to be a fully-fledged Dutch professional football manager? I think to entertain the notion of a foreign manager uh, would be sending out the wrong message, but considering in the last couple of days De Boer has said he doesn't want it, Koeman doesn't want it, they could very well find themselves in a position where they're not pushed towards um, appointing a foreign manager, but it could well end up being something which gathers momentum where they do maybe start to put the feelers out for someone of, uh, uh, some, uh, for a foreign manager because they don't feel that um, a, uh, a Dutch candidate is, um, is, uh, is good enough perhaps. Yeah, the, back to the original question, which said how much is down to players, how much is down to the coaching. I think if you take a look at the performance against Italy, you saw that the players were playing with a bit more freedom, um, a bit more uh, confidence. Um, and also, that, as, as Michael stated, uh, the fact that there was a false nine, there was a bit more interest in the tactics. Again, I, I think... Michael puts it down to more the coaching side of it. I do agree, but as well, look at the players. What changed? Is Fred Klim that has he changed that much to 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 lift the players' this performance, or is it the players are relieved that Blint has left, and now they can finally play the way they sort that they maybe they want to? Um, because there there was a lot of fluidity between Lens, Memphis, Gomez, um, and you just never saw that before with with Blint. Um, Memphis was was having a bit of a skill show. Yeah, Palomas making his runs. Um, Lens as well, some dangerous crosses. Uh, I was a bit disappointed maybe Vine Alden didn't get a little bit more involved in it as well and have have um, the quartet. Um, but it, it was much better. Uh, it wasn't great. There's still some problems, especially in defence. But it was a lot better. I think uh, the main thing there was. The Dutch did better by not looking inferior to Italy and um, not being thrashed by Italy. I think the um, the 
was more organization in the way that they pressed they pressed men uh, and when they closed down Italy there was literally no way out and they had to sort of clear the ball and you know the Dutch would gain back position and things like that and even you know uh, simple things like when Strootman the reason you didn't see Wijnaldum that much was in the second half was when sort of Strootman went off and Villana came on Wijnaldum had to sort of decide to drop deep and help Villana who who's played as a defensive midfielder but only um, when El Amadi had gone to the African Cup of Nations. So he helped sort of the young player who, who who was filling in in a role that he's not quite quite sure of yet. And um, I think also he understood that, you know, there was a, the, there's, the midfield wasn't packed with much creativity. So you had to sort of get a more mobile and fluid front line. And you did that by sort of Moving Memphis and uh, inside and hoping Prom- Promise and him would switch, and I think you you looked at the even the subtle changes that he he made. You know, um, Tete starting, um, Hot starting, uh, Memphis starting, Lens starting. Uh, these um, I think in the in. And when you talk about Lens, Memphis, and Hood, um, these are your confident players. These are the Memphis is confident in the French league right now. Uh, Lens is confident in the um, in, at the top of the Turkish league right now, and Hood uh, is confident in the uh, confident in the Italian league. So these are your players that you, you you should sort of put faith in it because they're playing at the highest level, and also I think. When you talk about Tete and Valena, um, Tete had sort of come along in the periphery at Ajax, and he's been second choice to to Veltman, but he slowly, he slowly sort of improved his game, and that's what you've seen recently when he's played when Veltman's been out, and he came on and he and he had a very good game, and also Valena, he's he's not done as. He's not created as much output as you would like him to have, but he's also had a very solid season. He's been much improved from what he's done in the past. He's been much more consistent with what he's done in the past, and he got a run out. And I think the next manager, I think you need to sort of know when to sort of move in players. I think Delet was brought in after two games. You know, you how long did we wait for Jorrit Hendricks to get to get a national team call up? But Jurid Hendricks was playing regularly for PSV, but in his stead, they, they called Marko Vahinovic, they called Vernon Anita, they called, uh, they called a few others. And um, you've got to know when to sort of bring these players in. And I think, especially when you talk about someone, when you talk about players like Jurid Hendricks and Richard E. Bazur, those are your players that can play defensive midfield, that can play that specialist position where you need them. And they can support Strutman. And so if I think, you know, next season, if they start getting game time, you have to know how to bring them in, when to bring them in. And that's what they should sort of look for a manager going forward. I was at the game last night and it was very flat in terms of occasion. What was interesting to me was uh, during the warm-up, I, um, I paid attention to Fred Klim and also to his counterpart, Giampiero Ventura. And in the case of Ventura, 
he was so involved in the warm-up, you wouldn't believe. He's, he's deliberate. Normally, you leave that to your technical staff, but he's deliberately keeping an eye on his players. The the, the level of uh, pace involved in the warm-up from the Italians was uh, was extremely impressive. And when I looked at him in the opposite dugout, it was uh, it was as if somebody who who shouldn't really be there found himself there in. Uh, kind of a, an overwhelming sense of where am I? You know, have I just wandered into like a, uh, uh, f- have I wandered in through uh, via a, uh, via a, a separate, um, a separate entrance into uh, a stadium, into, uh, into, um, uh, into a technical area. The, the crowd as well, they, the, the game wasn't sold out. It was the right mixture of, even people that were in Amsterdam on holiday for a couple of days, wanting to uh, wanting to take in a, wanting to take into uh, taking a match, they went one nil up through a, a, an own goal from Romagnoli, and they couldn't even hold the lead for a minute. The very next attack that Italy played was a fantastic strike by Adair, and uh, and then they scored shortly afterwards with uh, with Bonucci as well. When Delossi came off. It kind of gave the uh, the national team, the Dutch national team, a bit of a lift. That, if not the best player of the, uh, playing for Italy, uh, has gone off. They they played with a bit more vigour in the second in the second half with uh, chances that they had, and when when Snyder came in. But um, I think it would help the next manager to uh, to really take the um, the job seriously. I'm not saying that the others haven't, but there is a need now to really. Want to want to deliver success for the national team, so that the whole setup gets an, an, an injection where everybody uh, is infused by meeting up at a national uh, a national uh, team um, qualifier or friendly, where players, staff, manager, they all want to go, they all want to see one another, to speak about different things. Where, and I, I think that would uh, that would help the national team going forward. I think. Sorry, Iron Robin's comments. Watch up on the site after the game yesterday. He started with uh, something on the lines of "Thank God this week's over." You know, that's not what you are here for. From your national team captain, you know, he's happy to be back at Bayern because it wasn't a good week at you know, the national team. And I'm glad that he stayed with the squad because if he had actually gone home after it went. Got sad. I think it would have been a bit of a disgrace for the captain to you know, jump ship when there's a problem. But you could tell that you know he didn't really want to be there, um, and I think that's quite damning on a captain. And I think the new coach that comes in needs to look at for leaders in the squad. They're going to g the play up. You know, Robin against Bulgaria he wasn't he wasn't g'ing up the players. He wasn't shouting. He wasn't doing anything to you know, to change the way the game was going. And you know, you saw. Injection of confidence against Italy, you know, what it does, you know, bring Valhena in instead of Strutman. You know, the game changes in the second half. He, he was more positive, he was looking forward, he was passing the ball forward, he was trying things. You know, Memphis, instead of Robin, he, he has more skill, he has more skill than Dost, he was he turning players, he's running at players. And he didn't see that against Bulgaria, you know, he saw passing back and forth with no actual end product. But against, when you bring these confident players in, you see what impact it has. Lawrence is doing so well in Turkey this season. I guess his chance, and he's running it on the Italian defenders who actually took it scared when he ever he got involved. Um, and this new coach that comes in, he needs to look at that. He needs to look at the players that are going to 
you bring something to the national team, you know, you get rid of these players that don't want to be there. If Robin doesn't want to be there, you know, there's players that can replace him. You know, Robin is the most talented Dutch player. I'm not saying that, but, you know, you need a team, not an individual that turns up and, you know, decides if something's not going well, he wants to go back to Bayern because that's where he has success. I think in the case of uh, Ali Robin, Mike, there was an agreement in place where he would only partake in the game against Bulgaria and then he would return to Munich. I think that's something that the Bay and all parties agreed with Bayern Munich beforehand. Uh, having watched the footage of his interview, which I translated for the site, um, he's not one to shirk his responsibilities, but I completely agree with what you said. It, it was literally, thank God this week is over. And he also stated that if this was a club, if this was club level, there'd be a game on Saturday where you could rectify something. And in the case of the national team, their next game is in uh, is in June, so uh, a couple of months away before they can rectify uh, rectify anything with the next step in what will happen with the national team. I think uh, I defended the playing staff earlier, but I think something that that. You, you seen in Italy and France, you saw uh, Rugani, Romagnoli, Donnarumma made uh, a big save at the end, uh, a few big saves at the end. You saw Bellotti and uh, for France, you saw you saw, saw Mbappe, uh, Umtiti and the, these other nations are creating a higher level of young player. And um, because they have uh, sort of more competitive leagues. There's more, and there's more. Uh, uh, there's more coaches who are willing to do do different things, and there's more innovation. Then I think with you, your sort of um, you know Matai Delit, you, you with your Frankie De Jong, Daniel Van der Beek, Abdelhakmi, Steven Bergwijn, uh, um, you you sort of need to nurture them in a way that. You know they could be they can be like the uh, like the um, Italian and, and French counterparts and you know um, against Atletico Madrid for PSV at the beginning of the season I think there was um, there was a moment where Ramsala and um, and Bergwijn came on and and they were fresh legs and I think Ramsala hits the crossbar and with with um, with a shot after dribbling past one or two players, and uh, and Bergwijn, uh, he puts in PSV's sort of best cross of that half into the game, and they and PSV nearly score, and you start thinking these two are really special, and they need to be nurtured in that way, and um, this sort of uh, you know golden generation of sort of Dutch players, so-called golden generation of Dutch players, needs to be brought through in that sort of fashion, though. In that that in the future, in the two next two three years, um, Dutch teams are able to compete in Europe, and the Dutch national team can compete at a higher level. And you know, you you sort of seen, you know, Jairo Riedovo and Jurgen Hendricks, who are two incredibly talented players. And you've also seen Kenny Tete. They've all they've all sort of been on the bench this season, and. You know, you, you sort um, you sort of hope Guardado leaves at the end of the season for PSV because they rely on him too much, and it gives uh, Hendricks a chance to really start to 
put uh, put some games behind him for PSV and actually, you know, look at breaking into the Dutch national team squad. And, you know, you hope that Tete and Riedewald stay at um, at Ajax and get more game time next season. So they can also start putting some games behind them and get into the Dutch national team. So I think the priority for most managers should be nurturing a very talented group of young players and hoping that their careers don't go awry like the players before them. I definitely agree with that. Um, if you look at under-17, under-19 international teams for Netherlands, there's definitely talent coming through. Um, you know, Netherlands under-19s and under-17s are always present at European Championships. Um, they both just recently qualified for ones this summer. Um, but there seems to be something that happens when they get to you know, the, the age of 20, 21, where it's just not making that step up at the moment. Um, and I think clubs do need to help you know, nurture these talents because, as Shaq is saying, they, they seem to be turning away from them to go you know, go for these more experienced foreign players. Um, you know, Ajax are doing it with look at Justin Clivert's coming through, but you know, he's not first choice on the wing. You know, you've got Eunice on the left and Traore on the right who'd have gone alone. You know, there's three or four players at Ajax you look at in the youth team that could come into the first team and play in those positions. You know, Chain Nanway is another one for the youth team. You know, Feyenoord have been doing it well with bringing them through their Dutch players, but they also went experienced in the summer. They went for Elia and Berghus and Jorgensen up front. You know, PSV have been doing it with Young up front, Guardado, that's stopping the likes of Sam Lammers coming into the team. Bergwijn's not getting a chance anymore. Hendricks isn't getting a chance anymore. I think there is a certain responsibility to some of these club coaches to put these players in the first team or try and convince them to go on loan. Some of the other clubs in the Eredivisie, you know, you trek to probably love to have some of Axis players on loan, Batesse or Heron Bean could probably take some of them and put them in the first team and, you know, let them flourish in the league, not just let them sit on the bench or you know, play in the second division week in, week out. I'm just looking at the Netherlands upcoming fixtures now. Um, games against Morocco and Ivory Coast coming up will offer something very interesting um, before the next qualifiers, uh, so the next qualifier against Luxembourg in June. Um, do you, so I think the t- tough test will come against Morocco uh, and Ivory Coast. Um, and might maybe let us know a bit more of the level the players will be at and hopefully the new manager will be in place then as well. Um, I would be surprised if a new manager wasn't in place for the uh, for the upcoming games against Morocco and Ivory Coast. I think in the case of uh, Morocco, it would be interesting to see how the squad, when selected, cope with playing in a, a different climate because the game will be, placed in, uh, be played in Casablanca. Ivory Coast... Um, have, uh, have um, had success in recent years with the African Cup of Nations, so will be a test. And then um, uh, Luxembourg, and then looking towards the start of next season, I think uh, after two or three games, they uh, have the, um, the away game in Paris against France. So uh, interesting times ahead, but uh, they must, the uh, Bay must meet the issue head on and uh, and resolve the manager issue. Uh, when I translated the um, Quotes of Jean-Paul de Casal. He stated that they uh, they had contingency plans in place. They were looking at options, and all options are open. So uh, I hope that he's um, he keeps his word, and they uh, and they meet the task head on. 
think um, the crisis has been a bit overstated as well. Um, no, all is definitely not lost for Netherlands in this World Cup group. They're only three points behind Sweden. And you think of the home games that are going to come up. You've got Luxembourg at home, Sweden at home, Bulgaria at home. You're looking away against Belarus and away against France. You know, you win all those games. Um, you know, maybe sneak a draw in France if you know, a new coach comes in and changes something. You know, that would probably be enough for second and probably enough for a playoff place. And, you know, it's not all doom and gloom at the moment. It's de- we're definitely not out of the World Cup race. That's definitely not. You know, a lot of the media is going with, you know, Dutch football is over, it's a crisis and you're not going to reach the World Cup. But, you know, four wins out of five games and they're second, I think. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I think a lot of these sort of foreign media sites, I mean, sort of the English media, that, you know, don't necessarily watch what's going on in the Eredivisie every week, see the type of players that are coming through, just go with this sort of narrative that, um, that you know, a lot of things in Dutch football are going wrong. I mean, I read a piece in, in September after Ajax beat Rostov, that, Ajax lost to Rostov, that, you know, everything that Ajax is doom and gloom, and I was like, um, and I was like, hey, there, there's a good, talented set of players today and someone just needs to come in and make it work. And look at where they are now, especially the European League quarterfinal against Schalke. And they've only uh, lost one game in the in Europe this, in this, this season. And um, I think uh, they just need the, the right minds in the, in the, in the right positions to really progress and um, I think they, 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 it, it starts with um, the next few weeks um, seeing how they sort of go about the process of finding, uh, of sort of bringing Louis van Gaal and sort of getting a new manager, what type of manager they're looking for and uh, um, also at the at club level it also starts up a, a at um, you know how players start playing, how players start reacting. You know, Richard Libazos has not played the first half of the season, but Andries Jonkers come in at, and at Wolfsburg and has played him since the first game and and has has basically told him, "Yeah, my starter." And um, you know, Guardado might be injured for the games this weekend, so you might see Hendricks and. Uh, um, you might see Hendricks play, and uh, I think the, the, um, there's talk about Tete and Yaro Riedovo leaving, and you just hope that they don't leave because if they leave to another league, it's too soon, and you, um, it's so soon in their development, and that means you've lost maybe one or two good players there. So you just hope that you know some things st- start to go st- start to go right, and a little bit of luck in some places. Um, we touched on the previous part about um, the venue of the national team with uh, choices being made to play uh, Luxembourg in the, in the Rotterdam and uh, Ivory Coast. I think they really need to take the opportunity to look at reverting back to the old system of rotating between uh, Amsterdam, Rotterdam and um, and Eindhoven, because they've had the previous games in Amsterdam against Italy, Belgium, France, uh, Czech Republic, uh, for commercial reasons. And as a spectacle, it's been quite flat. 
I think if they were to have two or three qualifying games in Notre Dame, I think the atmosphere there would be better. I think it would be more of a spectacle, especially in a qualifying sense. And I think that would translate to the team and especially make a more daunting atmosphere for the uh, for the opponent. I think uh, I think such a decision would help the national team enormously. I yeah, I think you need a crowd to be behind the team. In Amsterdam, it's not the atmosphere is just not there. In Rotterdam, where it's closer and there's more, you know, more, fan. more intimate, more intimate as well. And I, I think that would help. I mean, the, for commercial reasons, as as in the case of last night, in yesteryear, you would have a uh, the whole city would be jumping in, in anticipation to uh, for that for that game, even in a friendly sense. And there was articles in the newspaper about people that have relinquished their tickets. And I've decided not to go, and, and, and I went for uh, for footballing reasons. I went obviously to um, to give a heads up on the podcast as well in a professional sense. And uh, you you could really tell when you looked around at all facets. I, I thought to myself, if uh, if this match was was played in Rotterdam or even in Eindhoven, the the, um, the caveats would be completely different, and uh, maybe even the result would have been completely different. Yeah, uh, the best game of the Blind tenure was played in Rotterdam against Belarus, where Janssen scores that amazing goal, uh, and Promes scores two goals, and uh, Schneider is out wide, and there was a real atmosphere there, and um, it did translate to the players, and um, they did reimpose themselves on Belarus, and um, in Amsterdam, I think. Things when they, uh, they they tend to have the Dutch national team tend to have poor sloppy starts, and when they have those poor sloppy starts, then the the crowd goes flat, and the Dutch national team can't really come back from that. And um, uh, I think it, it, to really alternate alternate venues would be a, a clever idea. I definitely agree with James on that point. I want to pick up what Michael said um, about not all being lost in the qualification campaign. Um, if the Netherlands beat Sweden at home uh, and hopefully a revival does occur, they win some more games. Um, let's say they get second. There's other teams that are currently in second that they would meet in the playoffs. Uh, you've got the likes of Portugal in Italy, but as well you have teams such as Northern Ireland, Republic of Ireland, Montenegro, Slovakia. Um, and then as, as Greece and Iceland are also decent teams. Um, there's a bit of a mixed bag there, and I think it, we'll see when we get there if they do qualify in second, but none of the games are impossible to win, but there are also a lot of winnable games there, a lot of winnable ties. I think the pressure would be on in such an instance, and um, I think with, um, with playoffs you have also uh, a seeding nature, and with the Netherlands having dropped to 32nd in the world, they may well not receive that seeding. Um, also, it could be um, as vague as is the second leg in uh, in Dublin, in Reykjavik, in uh, in Athens, for example. That could that could also play a part. And um, yeah, I, I just think that they need to look short term in making sure they get the right man injecting enthusiasm into into the squad, giving the, the national team a lift and then 
continuing through the qualifying campaign. Uh, I noticed just now that the venue for the Netherlands, Sweden, has not been has not been completely confirmed. I would switch that to Rotterdam right now because that game could be uh, could be vital. And if that game is played in Amsterdam, then with 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 how the atmosphere kind of um, leaves the stadium. I mean, you saw. Even when the goal was, even when okay, it was an own goal. Even when the goal was scored last night, there was no, uh, there was no rapturous uh, celebration to that. I think they do well to, to put down a marker, and if that venue has not been completely confirmed, I would switch that game from. I, I know Amsterdam has been muted for the Sweden game. I would switch that to Rotterdam in the in the eventuality that there's something riding on that game, a result is needed. And an atmosphere and a, uh, a daunting situation for, for Sweden could well uh, put the Netherlands in a position where they could get the uh, desired results. Pretty much depends on France as well. Um, you know, Netherlands are really relying on France to not wrap up this group so quickly that they start taking their eye off the game. Um, France beating Bulgaria and Sweden is crucial to Netherlands, and that's the games you're looking at, they're going to drop. You're hoping at least Bulgaria drop at least six, and Bulgaria, uh, Sweden drop at least six, and Netherlands beat them. Um, then you know second place is there. You got a playoff. It's it's a lottery. You know you can always get one of the best teams you can get, or you can get Greece. You know, um, and then Netherlands could be in a World Cup. And then everyone's looking back at Danny Blind's tenure and going, oh, I wasn't. That was the right choice to sack him, and now you move forward, and then you'll get all these young talents coming through. So next year in the World Cup, I think that this current Netherlands team, you know, you're not looking at competing in a World Cup, but you know, getting there is is definitely crucial. 